Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So these brothers, they really confessed when they called out what they did as the evil that we did to Joseph. And then the messenger, he brings this, this personal request, forgive, you know. And, he, and then they go on and they say, he says, you see, verse 17, the request is, forgive the trespass of the servants of, thy, of, of, of the God of thy father. Oh, that's something. They call themselves the servants of the God of, thy, of his father, Jacob. I can imagine Joseph falling off his chair when he heard that one. The servants of the God of thy father, makes us almost fall off our chair to hear the brothers call themselves the servants of the God of Abraham. I mean, of uh, uh, Jacob. I mean, that reminds me of a time when, when our youngest son, Joshua, he was little, and he did something really bad, and I don't remember what it was, but he needed to be disciplined. And, and, but he went into his room, and he shut the door. And so, you know, I came in there, and, and, and I opened the door, and there were the lights down very low in the room. And what is he doing? He's kneeling by the side of the bed in prayer. I mean, he looked like the picture of George Washington at Valley Forge, kneeling and praying. I mean, there might as well have been a halo over his head. He looked so angelic there, praying, earnestly praying, you know. And I thought, he should get the Academy Award. Anyway, well, that's what these brothers are doing here. That's what they're doing as they call themselves in verse 17, the servants of the God of thy father. Wow, 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 best actor. Well, you know, how could Joseph, that's what I thought, how could I, you know, this, this angelic little boy here, how can I do, anyway, how could Joseph take vengeance on the servants of the God of his father? So the whole story just doesn't make any sense. And Joseph sees right through the lives of his father. And for one thing, Joseph knew his father and knew him better then his brothers knew him, and, 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 and he, Joseph knew that his father didn't have to command because Joseph knew his father just knew that he was going to love his brothers and he was going to forgive them. But what's really evident here is how the brothers, especially with this, this messenger business, they're really distancing themselves from any close relationship with Joseph. I mean, the brothers really wanted a close relationship with, with, the, with, the, with, with Joseph, they would have said, our father, in verse 16. They would have said, our father did command, in verse 17. They would have said that they, they, they were the servants of, of the God of our father. Not all this, thy father, thy father, but our father. But, but the brothers, they had no intention of, of appealing to what, what they had in common with Joseph, their father, they just wanted Joseph to forgive them. 
And, 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 and you got to admit that, that sending the, this messenger with this concocted story was pretty ingenious. It was pretty brilliant, you know, to, to try to get Joseph to forgive him. It was pretty, pretty good. And, 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 and using their dead father as the mediator. I mean, that's pretty smart. But you also got to admit that by sending a messenger instead of them coming themselves was kind of insulting uh, to Joseph. And they were, and, I mean, you know, Joseph would sit there and say, What? Such an important message from my father? You couldn't come yourself? You got to send someone else to tell me? So it's kind of, kind of insulting. And all right, so that was their message to Joseph. And now, what's Joseph's response? I mean, how will Joseph answer them? What does Joseph give as an answer at the end of verse 17? What's Joseph's answer by the, at the end of verse 17? What is it? He cries. He weeps. Joseph wept when they spake unto him. So what was, that was Joseph's answer, that's all. He wept. That's it. No words, just crying. I mean, Joseph's first response to them was no words. He just cried. And that was the strongest message that Joseph could give in reply to them, just cried. And so the question is, what did that reply of crying mean? What was the message that was sent to the brothers? I mean, why do you think that, that Joseph cried when they heard that message? I mean, why didn't Joseph just say, oh, come on, boys, you expect me to believe that? What's next? Do you want to sell me the Brooklyn Bridge? I mean, but why do you think that Joseph just cried at that point? And that was his way of answering by crying. You know, of all the characters in the book of Genesis, do you know Joseph weeps the most? And we saw him weeping many times. You know, we saw him when Joseph wept after when such a long time had passed and he, and he was the governor of Egypt and he finally sees his brothers and they're coming to Egypt for food. And in Genesis 42.24, 42.24, it says, and he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again, communed with them. And then when Joseph wept in Egypt, when after such a long time, he finally sees Benjamin in Genesis 43.30, Genesis 43.30, Joseph made haste for his bowels did yearn upon his brother urine upon his brother, and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. And then when Joseph finally makes himself known to his brothers in Genesis 45-2, Genesis 45-2, he wept aloud in the Egyptians in the house of, 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 of Pharaoh heard. And then when, when he gets close to Benjamin, and, and it, it says he wept on Benjamin's neck. I mean, Benjamin had a wet neck. It says in, in, in Genesis 45, 14, 45, 14, he fell upon his brother, his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Kind of reminds me of last Friday night when, when little Clark was uh, sitting up there, and little Clark fell, and, and I grabbed him, you know, and he was so shocked. I think he hurt himself. I don't know, but you know, I just put him here, and I had a wet shoulder. <laughs> okay. So anyway, and then, um, and then Joseph wept when he kissed his brothers. He wept when he kissed his brothers, Genesis 45, 15, 45, 15. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. And then you remember, we just saw this in Genesis 46, 29, 46, 29, when he wept over the face of his dead father, Jacob. Joseph made readiest, and he, he, Joseph presented himself unto him. He fell on his neck, wept on his neck a good while. I'm sorry, that was when he first, I got it wrong, 46, 9, 20, I was when he first saw his father before he dies. He's not dead yet. He's, he's weeping on him. 
And, and then when he does die in Genesis 50, verse 1, our chapter, it says Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. So you look at all these people in the Bible and you say, who gets the weeping awards in the Bible? Joseph and Jeremiah. Those are the two. And what's interesting about this, all this weeping of, of, of uh, Joseph is that we don't read that Joseph was weeping when he was sold as a slave. And, and we don't read that, that Joseph was weeping when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison. And we don't read that Joseph was weeping when, when, when they hurt his feet with the shackles. But eight times we've read that Joseph is weeping, and I just read those to you. And in all eight of those instances where Joseph is weeping, what do they all have in common? Family. It's all about family. Then all of those times... He was weeping over his family, over his brothers, over his father. And it shows that Joseph's family was very important to him. You know, Joseph was, was not a person of, you know, oh, family, shmamly, who needs them. After what I suffered of my family, I need this family like I need a hole in the head. That was not Joseph. No, Joseph deeply, deeply loved his family. And it brings us back to why Joseph wept when he heard this concocted story about his father telling his brothers that he was commanding Joseph to forgive them. Now, uh, as Jim pointed out, you cannot help but see the parallel here between Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph represents the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we look at our Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we look at him and we see him weeping as he did when he stood before Jerusalem, it says in um, Luke 19.41, Luke 19.41, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. So there's the Lord Jesus. He's approaching Jerusalem. He stops. He looks at the city and he weeps over it. And then through his tears, he speaks to the city. He speaks to the city and he tells them why he's weeping. He says the reason that, 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 that he's weeping is because they didn't know. They didn't know who he was. He wept because they didn't understand. He's the one. They didn't understand. He's the promised one of Isaiah 9.6. He's a promised one of Isaiah 9.6 where it says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us, let's put it this way. Unto us, O Israel, a child is born. Unto us, O Jewish people, a son is given, and the government will be, shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The unto us means it was unto them. And they didn't know what belonged to them, which was the peace for their souls. And the reason they didn't know that the peace that belonged to them is because they didn't know who the, that the Lord Jesus was the promised one of Isaiah 9, 6. He was the prince of peace. He was the giver of peace. That was the peace that belonged to them, but they didn't understand that. And they didn't understand who he was, and they rejected him. And that's why the Lord Jesus wept, which is what, what you said, uh, Jim. And, and the Lord Jesus wept because his people misunderstood who he was. He wept because of what his people lost from not knowing who he was. They lost peace from the Prince of Peace. They lost, they lost being a friend of God, being a friend of the mighty God, as he's identified in Isaiah 9.6. That was a great loss. It was a tragic loss. 
And it all came from their lack of understanding of who he was. And that's what he was referring to when he spoke in John 8, 19. In John 8, 19, and he said, Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. And this is the same reason why Joseph wept. He wept because his brothers misunderstood who he was. He wept because his brothers lost all that opportunity, all that time to have a close relationship with him because they didn't understand who he was. They thought he was just a man like them who cherished hatred and wanted revenge. And they didn't understand. He cherished love. He wanted to forgive. He wanted to forgive and pardon. So when you see Joseph weeping in verse 17, that's a graphic message of how God weeps over every lost soul who refuses to understand who God really is. That's the God of love and mercy that loves the whole world and is not willing that any should perish, but will have all men to be saved because he loves forgiveness and pardon. So this is the message that comes to us when we see in verse 17, Joseph weeping because we understand how God weeps over every lost soul because of their great, great loss. I mean, you take a person, who, who an outspoken enemy of God, uh, uh, an atheist, Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins. He spent his gifted life of brilliance. He is a brilliant uh, person with gifted life. And he spent that turning people away from God. He writes this blasphemous book uh, uh, <clears throat> called The God Delusion, which he thinks that people who believe in God are in delusion. And I remember so clearly when I, when I took my former Jewish boss, Dr. Jack Geller, down to Takati. I mean, I had worked for Dr. Geller in 1972, and, and, and being a young Christian as best as I could, I told him about God. But I was so glad at this point uh, to have a day with him to tell him fully why I, as a Jew, had come to the Lord Jesus Christ to put my trust in him. So I gave him my testimony book, and, and, then went, and, and, and we spent a, a time together. And then I went back and revisited him in his home, and, and we were sitting together in his living room there, and he told me that after he spent the day with me and, and got the book, that he went right out and bought Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. And he brought it out and showed it to me. So there was on the table, The God Delusion, and there's my testimony book next to it. And we were sitting in his living room, and there was a fireplace there, and I told him, I said, best thing you can do is take that book and throw it in the fireplace. <laughs> but it was so clear that Dr. Geller, having those two books in front of him, says, well, you know, I choose this book, The God Delusion, and not this book. That's Richard Dawkins, whose life has been miserable with his four, three marriages and divorces. He's all alone now. Two years ago, he has this hemorrhagic stroke. That, was, that stroke, that hemorrhagic stroke was God's warning light to him that life is coming to a close with the tragedy of all he's, he's lost from his rejection of God because we, uh, he was a teenager, he embraced God, and then he turned away from God. And, 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 that, and, and, and that was tragedy of loss for him. It's a tragedy of loss for everyone who doesn't really understand who God is. And it's a tragedy of losing a wonderful life and an eternity of peace. It's a tragedy of losing a wonderful life and an eternity of being a friend of God. And, and, and it's the tragedy of losing a life and an eternity of being gathered together and protected by God as the Lord Jesus cried out to Jerusalem in, in Matthew 23, 37, 
Matthew 23, 37, when he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hand gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. That's tragedy. And that's what, that's what Jewish missions are all about. All Jewish missions are all about stopping the loss among the Jewish people of the peace and the protection and from coming to a full and true understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, that he's the promised one of Isaiah 9.6. He's the one that was given to them as their mighty God, as their Prince of Peace. And every lost person, whether Jew or Gentile, is experiencing this loss like a person who's, who's, who's bleeding. He's bleeding out. His lifeblood is bleeding, it's running out, and that loss of blood, it, 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 if it's not stopped, the person will die. And, it, and, it's, and that loss of blood, is, and life blood is happening because he really doesn't know who God is. And by teaching who God really is, the evangelist is seeking to put pressure on that wound to stop the loss of the blood. And this is why Joseph wept, because he realized that his brothers really didn't understand who he was. And, and now we read what his brothers did in, in verse 18, Genesis 50, verse 18. His brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. So first we find Joseph's brothers, they come. Now, they, they didn't come before. They sent a messenger, but now they come. And the question is, why did they come? Why did they come now? Clearly. It's because Joseph called them. He called them to come. And when Joseph realized how much they misunderstood who he was, Joseph didn't say, well, you just go ahead and believe that. No, he says, come. I want to come because I'm going to tell you. Now, this whole matter of sending the messenger, it shows us that if the brothers had it their way, they never would have come to Joseph. No, no, no. As far as the brothers were concerned, they were just very happy. We'll stay in Goshen. Joseph, you stay in the palace. They were happy if they never saw Joseph again. I mean, Joseph was actually a great trouble to them because, uh, because Joseph may have forgotten what they did to him, but they didn't forget what they did to Joseph. And so the presence of Joseph, it, it, for them, it brings a storm of distress uh, to them because it, Joseph just reminded them of their sin against Joseph. As a matter of fact, they would have been happiest if they never saw Joseph again, and they could just say, well, as far as whether or not Joseph exists, we're agnostic. And that's a picture of lost man, because he sees himself as the happiest the farther he gets away from God. Lost man is happiest if God just stays in heaven and leaves him alone on earth. Lost man is happiest if God is so far from him that he can just say, I don't know whether he exists or not, I'm agnostic. And when lost man gets, a, uh, gets close to the presence of God, it's a storm of distress, that comes. But Joseph would not have that distance between him and his brothers. So Joseph calls his brothers to come to him. And when we see Joseph calling his brothers to come to him so that they could know him, we see the Lord Jesus doing the same thing as Ken quoted in the Breaking of Bread service earlier in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight, where the Lord Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn upon you, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. See, the Lord Jesus is calling the lost to come to him to learn who he really is. I'm the rest giver. You don't know that, but I'm the rest giver, he's saying. And when he calls the lost in, in John 7.37, John 7.37, 
It says, in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What's he doing there? He's calling the lost to come so that they could learn he's the thirst quencher. He's the one that quenches the thirst in the soul. And, and then when we look in, 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 the, in, in back in Isaiah, Isaiah 45, where we see Jehovah Jesus, we see Jehovah Jesus, he's calling the lost in Isaiah 45, 22. He says, look unto me, all ye, look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there's none else. What's he doing there? He's calling the lost to come to him so they can learn who God is. He says, he says, be saved, I am God. So he's saying, look, you need to learn God is a savior. God is a savior, a savior of your souls. But the choice is totally with man. I mean, God has decided to call man to learn who God really is, and man has to decide. And that's, and, and, and that's, that's what we fight against in, in Jewish missions. You know, it's like Joseph called, but his brothers have the choice. They're going to come or not. We fight against this in Jewish missions. We fight against the misunderstanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. We fight against the misunderstanding that the Lord Jesus was the God of the Nazis. We fight against the misunderstanding that the Lord Jesus was the promoter of the crusaders that killed the Jews. And just as Joseph was fighting against this misunderstanding that he hated his brothers because of selling into slavery, we fight against the misunderstanding that the Lord Jesus hates the Jews because of the crucifixion. But just as Joseph called his brothers to come to him to learn who he really was, that he's a brother of love, a brother of forgiveness and pardon, and just as it was their decision not to come, so the Lord Jesus is calling all people, but especially the Jewish people, to come to him so that they can learn that he's a God of love, mercy, and pardon. But the decision finally comes, and it rests on every person. They're going to come or not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that Joseph was like you. And we could see that in his great heart of love and forgiveness. And we, Lord, also pray that you would help us to be the, 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 the heralds, the callers out uh, uh, that you are that person, a God of love and mercy to the lost. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. 
Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.